Hey guys, uh, we're recording this on June 5th. I'm sure we will get into different things today, but I mean, most of all, what we, our plan is, is to celebrate the life of our good friend, Drew Dwyer, who died a year ago as of tomorrow, as we're recording this. And, and that's why we're bringing on Scott, who uh, I've actually never spoken to. I, I don't know if you have either. No, I ha- actually, I haven't. Uh, that's just shocking. I haven't. We just never have had the opportunity. Yeah, so I'm, lo- I'm looking very forward to talking with him because he's got a very similar background, uh, Marine Corps Security Force Company, Second Fast Company, and, and we'll get into that. But before we do, uh, getting into who makes this show possible for us and who we really urge you all to check out is uh, first of, of uh, all, Ned. Ned is just such a great brand, and CBD has become extremely popular in the past year. As the market becomes more saturated, it becomes more and more difficult to navigate and choose the right company and the right product. That's exactly where Ned comes in. They produce the highest quality CBD extracted from the finest organic hemp plants from a small homestead in the bountiful farmland of Peonia, Colorado. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. No isolates, no synthetic ingredients, full transparency, and Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process, all right there on the site. Their full-spectrum hemp oil only contains their CBD extract and non-GMO MCT oil. That's it. The taste is clean and pure. You've heard us talk about some of the benefits, which are a sleep aid, treating post-traumatic stress, pain reliever. And for you, some of the other products, Chris, I know the uh, the body butter has done yeah. wonders with you. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's tremendous. I, I injured uh, just from running and working out all the time, and I'm still, still pretty active. Um, no, my, my, uh, my right knee and my elbows, my, on my right side, of course, everything on my right side, it's it's sore it gets injured or you get strains just from running and working out and man i'll tell you what like last night i was doing box jumps and step ups on my boxes outside and uh knee was hurting from running hills the day before and you just just you put a, put a little bit of body butter on it and it, it it and i would say it numbs it up it just the pain goes away i don't numbing to me sounds like it's covering it up it's like yeah nah, you're putting it's not a numbing sensation it just goes away <laughs> and it it's amazing i i you, you know every one of us expects to feel that analgesic cooling sensation you know that's i know it's working the body butter you don't and that's that's what's so great about it is you don't feel that that band-aid fix it's almost like gosh man that's actually healing what's hurting and it did my knees was fine i worked out on it it's again you come the next day it's a little sore this morning but not the sharp pains and i was able to finish a really good workout yesterday putting a little bit on my knee and a little bit on my elbow and it's amazing man i again i'm sold i never would have even thought of that i wouldn't even say this <laughs> and then doing it using it now i'm like man heck yeah it doesn't i'm not going to use anything else so yeah cbd oil speaks for itself guys if you're having soreness or muscle aches and stuff like that arthritis in your hands um yeah use use that body butter it works works wonders and i'm shocked but in a good way so yeah, I really appreciate that, Ned, for, for sponsoring us because I wouldn't have found out about him any other way. 100%. Great guys. And, yeah, it's a good thing that I, you know, got back in touch with them because they yeah. they actually got in touch with me previously to us starting this. And I figured let's bring them on board. And, and we've been big believers. They also have a new immunity blend, limited release that you could check out. 
And once again, as uh, we've talked about before, Ned will not get you high. Full-spectrum hemp is a non-psychotropic. Ned products do contain a minuscule amount of THC, less than 0.3% as allowed by law. And if you want to check out Ned and try CBD, try any of the other products, they also have uh, women's products on there that you can check out. We have a special offer for the Battleline podcast and our audience. Go to helloned.com slash Battleline or enter Battleline at checkout. For 15% off your first order, plus free shipping, such a great deal. It's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash Battleline to get 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. Check it out, guys. Thank you, Ned. And as always, you know, no matter what is going on in the world, and, and we see what's going on in the world, this podcast and what we stand for has always been Strong Second Amendment um, during all times. And yep. Fort Scott Munitions is such a great sponsor of ours and manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through Fort Scott munitions.com and yeah before i give you guys the promo code they're selling things very quickly a lot of people who aren't normally buying ammunition are right now and we understand why we're seeing the chaos in the world and people want to protect their families and in a lot of cases as we've been seeing protect their businesses all right and you know, you, you gotta have good stuff and we talked about this we've talked about this on every episode uh, about how if there is a threat you, you just want it to end you know you want you don't want to be in a sustained fight at this when bad things happen and and well bad things happen regardless but you that's when more bad things can happen when things can compound on each other and for scott munitions they do they, you know god forbid you have to be in that situation i hope not we had that incident here in omaha where a gentleman a, a bar owner was put in that situation but then yeah. again, if, if you are, we'll get, well, we should get yeah, into that for sure. We'll get into that. Yeah. But if you are, you, you, you do, you want to be able to protect your life, protect your family, protect those innocents that, that are, are within your household or within your business and, and yourself. And you want that, you want that to stop. You want that threat to stop or that person to stop or, and well, I guess for Scott works at tumble upon impact. And I, I honestly and firmly believe it's the best home defense ammo or best defense, self-defense ammo out there by far. And the, and the family's tremendous that runs it, the Kraft family. Again, it goes back to integrity. So, uh, and, and they have it. And they're, they're putting out a good product. And people are, are obviously obviously finding out about it. And they support the little guys like, yes. like us and like Hank Strange and, and so forth. So, uh, man, that means a lot too. So, uh, so definitely check them out. If you need ammunition, go to Fort Scott Munitions. And I'm sure Ian will give you the promo code for it because I always forget. <laughs> but but yeah they're a fantastic company yeah no they really are great they keep us doing what we do and as i always say uh pretty often uh, we we don't do a patreon or GoFundMe or any of that stuff we if if you're looking to support us support our sponsors and you're going to love what you get in the process so uh use the exclusive promo code battleline for 15 percent off your order 
only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, all the training courses, which I should throw in there, ChrisTontoPeranto.net. Use the www, I've noticed, www.ChrisTontoPeranto.net because there's some courses coming up where you will be shooting Fort Scott uh, and and their sponsors, well, of course, of the Battleline podcast. With that, let's uh, get into everything. On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This This is the Battleline Podcast. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Switch is on, and we have Scott Dwyer joining us this episode, and I don't want it to be a sad episode. I think this is more about celebrating the great times we had with Drew, uh, all the funny moments, of which there are many, I could say, of spending time with that guy. He brought a smile to my face every time I hung out with him. Um, But you know what? The first thing I think we have to mention is this, and uh, with all that's going on, I don't mean to make humor of everything, but uh, you know, it's crazy. It's like last episode. I think it's safe to say you were admit- admittedly living under a bit of a rock oh, no. <laughs> and, and it was like your first time hearing about all this. I'm like, how have you not heard about this? At this point, I am sure you are up to speed because I, I saw your post, which I thought oh, was Oh, well, yeah. Well, that, yeah, I, 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 and that's a blessing. And I, I, I think sometimes people know too much or they're just too much knowledge, too much. I don't say knowledge. It's just news and news and knowledge to me are, are, are a contradiction in terms by, by, you know, by all means. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't, you know, cause I don't, I, when I, when I tell you guys, I don't watch the news. I don't, you know, social media, I'll post stuff. I don't get in a ton of the social media. My wife and Jeremy Mitchell do a lot of that. I'll just post the stuff, but yeah, I didn't, I had no idea what's going on. Um, so, so an ignorance sometimes is bliss, <laughs> to be honest with you, but you know, with things going on and, and watching it, you're watching it and if you're able again if you're able to pull yourself out of a side and hey guys i highly recommend that you have your beliefs have your have your values and so forth have to have your you know your virtue which comes with reading the bible it comes with having faith but if you can pull yourself from having sides you can really see how things you, you see things clear you see things from an open mind both angles and yeah i i, I did i i i i I've even told people I've got rep. I, you know, people have yelled at me for. People have been like, "Oh, how could you do this? What would you do in Benghazi if if they were well, guys? They're not shooting RPGs and AK-47s, and they're not they, these 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 rioters. And they are rioters. Uh, and right, and then there's protesters. There's a difference. They're not doing all that. So don't compare it to Benghazi. This is don't even try to. Uh, they, and also, none of my team was out there standing on somebody's neck. Yeah, we didn't kill anybody until we started to get shot at and within that was and blown up and mortars coming down and 
gosh, if, if it was that case, yeah, I'd probably be singing a different tune, but it's not, it's not at all. And, yeah. and so, and that's the best thing are, are the, are the pro are the writers? Oh, hell yeah. The writers are completely wrong. What the hell are you doing? You, you had a solid case. You had all of America on your side and then you screwed it up because you're idiots. You're doing stupid shit. Um, but then again, on the other side, what did the police officer do wrong? Yeah, he did. Was there, are they still out there doing wrong? Some are. And don't tell me you're not. Don't tell me you're, there's not some out there still. Yeah, hey. well, did you, uh, by any chance, you know, because I always have to ask because you do stay away from all this. Yeah, ask, no, tell it, me, bro. It's been all over the news. I mean, did you see what happened here in Buffalo, New York uh, I, I last did, night? I so, did, did not. 75-year-old man, I don't even know what he was that what he was doing. He didn't appear to be protesting or anything. Walked up to a group of uh, police officers in, like, full gear. This guy pushes 75-year-old man to the ground. Guy's back, white man, by the way. Back of his head splits open. Bleeding all over the place. Cops just kept walking. And, and, that, and nothing that, happened. Was caught on video. I just watched FOMO on TV. Spoke to the man. The man is alive. But, uh, you know, I... I do agree with what Cuomo said and that he was like, just he, he just says, you know, you look at TV, you look at something like that. You look at bricks being thrown at police officers. And he said, you know, what is going on? Like, What's going on with our, our humanity? And that's the, that's both when I say both sides are, are not right in this. Now, are there good police officers out there doing good things? Heck, yeah. I know some great ones in India and I've spoken. One hundred percent. I think but, all the people I know, police officers are great guys. And, and I'd probably love to have well, one of them who's been. You know, well, doing work during these riots on the show at some point, because I agree, they're great. But but it, it only takes one. And are there good protest people that are admiral protesters? Yeah, yeah, there are. Then you got the rioters. And I don't but you realize, guys, that's where I, I, I preach about. And when I wrote the Patriots Creed, really, it was about it. it that's what it was talking to the military, law enforcement, so forth. Integrity, virtue, honor and one bad apple. One can spoil the whole bunch. And when I put that out there, I know people would come to me and say, hey, well, it's not me or 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 I get the excuse. Well, it's everybody else does it like bullshit. Dude, one person, one person can spoil the name of whatever organization, your your law enforcement, your ranger battalion. So if, when we had a, for example, and I, I get I get animated because we don't have a lot of time and I wish I could finish my sentences like <laughs> I wanted to. But Ranger Battalion, don't get me wrong, we had bad apples, but we handled them in-house. We took care of our own. We made sure and policed our own. Same with the SEAL team. Even with Eddie Gallagher, you saw the SEALs coming in and trying to police their own and so forth. And you see that. I, I always see with Law Enforcement Academy, it, it, uh, law enforcement, it just turns into a fraternity and it turns into, well, uh, we'll let it slide because, you know, it happens at other departments. And when somebody does try to, and I do know a police officer, I'm going to give his name in Indiana. I do know one that did try to come in and police their own, and he was reprimanded, and he was actually demoted at his Indiana police the police department by the chief. So it, it's tough it, it, because they, they aren't. The integrity that I believe needs to be within departments needs to be there. And you say, well, 90% are, 10% are. Well, as we saw with what's going on right now, how many does it take for just to destroy Almost go on the route of destruction for an entire country. How many police officers does it take? One. That's it. One of them in the whole country. So you have to have that integrity throughout within that in that organization. On the other side of the riders, you guys are freaking idiots. You're idiots, and you're doing it because honestly, you got nothing else better to do right now. Which that's what you, that's when I was talking about the COVID. You're doing a text. Hey, this is. I don't, the idle hands theory. Hey, we got nothing else to do right now. So well, you and I actually, kind of we said early on in the podcast that, that yeah, there were going to yeah. be riots. Uh, yeah. 
there, I, I remember it, mentioning to my mom. I was like, oh, why, why are you speaking about all these riots? I, I don't think it's going to happen. And I mean, uh, yeah. it, it just took a reason for yeah. people. Yeah, for sure. It, and probably otherwise nonviolent people well, to, to, you know, it, uh, lose all sense of of uh, restraint. It, no, and you're exact. You're right, bro. It's just, like we, it's, it's just an excuse. Give us an excuse because we got nothing else to do and we're pissed off. And some of them have lost their jobs. And and then even some of those guys that are out there, and you, you saw, we, we talked about on last episode, some of those supporters, those small business owners that supported law enforcement, well, they were rousted when they opened up their business because the governor said, oh, you can't have these places open. So there's a, the, the, rem, the, the cocktail for combustion was already set, and it just took that little little spark. And And – I, you see that guys that have been in Iraq, Afghanistan, we've seen protests just bad. Two in Kabul, for example, uh, the U.S. Army came down J-Bad. There was a couple Humvees, came down J-Bad Road, and they killed two pedestrians because they were flying down that road, and they hit them. Massive protests in Kabul, huge protests in Kabul. But then we had another one where they uh, – another military convoy was coming in on the northwest side of town. I think it was two months later. And hit a child and killed the child because yes. there were – and massive protests again. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And then you see just protests quite a bit all the time overseas. And a lot of those is because, again, the people, they don't have the infrastructure that we do in the United States. There's not a lot else to do. <laughs> and when they have those protests there, yeah, I remember standing up on a guard post just watching the city burn and waiting for them to come towards our compound. And that is an eerie feeling. You're like, oh, shit, they're coming. Um, but it, it, again, it goes back to not that, but to there was there's not a lot for people to do there. There's some jobs, but most of really there's not. So what do you do? You go out and protest. That's the thing you do. They're, they don't have the bars and the clubs and so forth. And guess what we don't have right now? The bars and the clubs and stuff for people to do uh, and to, to congregate, you know, whether we think drinking is positive or not. It's more positive than rioting. This is what's going on. Because, Brian, I'm going to ask you a question because I'm not a news big news guy. But when the police officers did, and it was a wrongful death, again, killed the – choked out that guy in New York City. You remember, I think you told me about that. Oh, you're talking in Staten Island, the guy in Staten Island. Yeah. How how were the protests then? In comparison, it was oh, I, I don't even remember protests. I don't remember protests. I really exactly. don't. That's what I'm getting at. I remember people being furious about it, you know. And and actually, the crazy thing is when you think about it, those those cops got off. So you would think there would have been even you would crazier think there even crazier times, but there's not. People have work. People have responsibilities. People can go out to the bars. People can go to go to the concerts. So when governors and politicians and stuff, when they start, when you do this and you see these, this thing that this COVID or this, this, this episode or whatever you want to call it or something, you have to look and you have to have some foresight, some planning of a what if. You have to what if. You do as a, as a politician. I always tell people, oh, don't always what if. Well, in this case, as a politician or a leader, you have to what if. What if this happens? What are the repercussions? What if this happens? How bad, how much worse could it get? Now, I don't think Trump was actually thinking about this when he said, I, is, the, is the remedy worse than the actual disease? He was thinking, well, we're going to have riots. But that essentially is what it is. You have to think that far ahead. And people are rolling their eyes, no way, Tom. Well, yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I believe that. These are probably the worst. Help me, help me if I'm wrong. I know the Rodney King riots were bad, but 
I, I think, I think as a I countrywide, think, this is worse. Tell yeah, me and, and I think it's social media, you know, mm. because it, it was an L.A. thing. And now everything is a global thing because yeah. of social media. Yeah. You know what I wanted to throw out at you? I was going to read your statement, but and maybe I will later. But I want to get to Scott at some point, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, yeah. Do, you know, uh, do you know Ben Collins, who's a former Green Beret? I, I don't. We've never met. I've just you know, we travel in the same circles, but I've never met him. So I saw what he wrote. And I mean, your, your statement genuinely was my favorite of what people wrote. But I oh, saw thanks, you wrote man. this last night. That's no, true, because I, I think you're one of the few people who's able to say, let me put my own bias aside and yeah. let's see what's going on. And, and I think it always goes back to treating people as individuals, setting an example as yourself of of the way people should act. Sure. But sure. what I saw that Ben wrote, I, I think you'd agree with. And I'm seeing a lot of veterans in the community writing the same thing. Ben's a former Green Beret. He wrote, some of these cops must not have gotten the memo. We've been at war overseas for the last 20 years. And if they really wanted to get their violence on, it was at a recruiter's office. Away. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that what is that it? Is that is that it right there? That's what. Yeah, he that's said? it. That was what perfect. he tweeted. No, no, no. I, that's I do think it's true because, I mean, the way some of these guys are being, uh, you know, treating people like they I, I just think it needs to be reiterated. Look, there's there's violent protesters who need to be dealt with. But by and large, the American people should not be treated like terrorists overseas who we are trying to kill, right? Please. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right. You're exactly right. I, I, brother, I wish I could add to that, but no, that's the sink that's in a nutshell. I completely agree with it. And I see, I've see that, I uh, see that within, within, oh, shit, I know, I know some new officers and I know some old officers that, that's, that, that they're, this is their thing. This is, hey, this is my Benghazi. This is where, no, it ain't. No, it fucking ain't. Okay, you signed up, protect and serve, protect and serve, take care of business where you need to. If you're getting shot at or if you're getting somebody's trying to blow you up, by all means. Man, yeah, or even, you know what, I'll stand up for the police officers did this, which was a, a huge thing. Um, the police officer backed the car into protesters in New York City. I, you know, people could say, oh, this was excessive force. But if you watch the video, man, they're throwing crap yeah. at those police cars. They're completely surrounded. What do you do at that point? Do you do I, you know, it's, you... it's really your life or theirs at that point. And I know people want to watch it and second guess. But until you're in that scenario, it, yeah. it looked like an extremely <laughs> scary scenario to me. I don't uh, know how else they could have handled it. Uh, brother, I, I was in there. I talk about with my buddy Joe Espino Ranger. I was like, we were in that situation in, in Iraq. And even one in Kabul. In fact, I was going to tell you about it. We got a second. But say, what do you do? Well, no, you, you drive, 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 get the hell out of you. And you, you, hey, if you're in the way, you're getting run over. Because guess what? You are trying to kill me. You are. Get out of there. I agree with you. There are situations where, yes, you, but you don't take the first and exactly. the rider, you, you don't take the first step. I think Louisville, I, watch, I, I did watch the Louisville thing, and I was like, wait a second, where'd that, are you you watching this video from yourself, and you see two shots go off, like, where, where the hell was that for? Where'd that come from? Well, if you got scared because somebody was running up on you, and, and was just coming up on you, and, and you just pull out your gun and shot, nah, you're wrong. <laughs> Bro, we, you, and this is from experience, watching 15 terrorists move on your positions with AK-47s, and you can't shoot. You're just holding back because you're not sure yet. Get well. Guess what? Been there, done that, and we didn't shoot until they actually started blowing the shit out of our comp. Then we started. And I hate to tell you guys, but sometimes that's what you have to wait for. That's what you have to do. And I bet a lot of veterans will tell you the same thing. No, you, we we actually waited unless it was a direct action mission that we knew it was Osama bin Laden sitting right there. We know that's going to be heavily fortified. We know they're going to be shooting at us coming in. We're coming in under cover of darkness because we don't want to lose anybody. That's different. But fuck it, if you're got if you're 
pulling security or you're a force protection person, you have to wait. You don't have the, you, you can't shoot first. You can't guys, Just you can't do it. You have to wait. And if you can't handle that and you can't handle that stress to keep your finger off the trigger or keep your finger off the pepper spray or whatever it is, maybe you need to find a new occupation. And if you're itching to put your finger on the trigger or, or pepper spray, uh, do it, do it. What's, tell me, Ben, do a uh, Ben Collins. Yeah, yeah, do a Benson. Sign up. Go in. Go get your shit on if that's what you want to do. But I tell you what, when that first bullet cracks by your head, your your whole outlook on everything will change like that immediately. So I, bro, I, I completely agree. But that makes I know we're kind of beating up law enforcement right now. I don't want to do just. No, not at all. I, I mean, that's I why I threw that the in there. They were, they were in the right on that. There's been plenty of things I've seen where they're in the right, where they're in the wrong. And that's why I don't. Take a side as much people as 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 much as they want to see us take a side. Ain't gonna I, happen. I am on the side of whoever's <laughs> in the right in that particular scenario. Well, and, so. and that's where you guys, you know who we need to find again. We start. We had the chance when the covid started. We had that reset. We're fucking up that reset. Get your head in that Bible. I don't give a shit. And I'll be like the my pillow guy. Fucking start praying. <laughs> you guys better find yourself. Pray. Read the Bible. Find something. Or, or if you're if you have other faith that that doesn't believe in destroying each other then get into that faith because you're losing it your faith right now is in social media and that i agree with you and that's just running things running things ragged and it's making things well i i haven't seen much here in omaha i don't know i i think riders eventually do tire <laughs> I really, and i'm being like physically tired like oh, i'm getting bored with this shit we're not but um i haven't really seen much as extreme as it was last week but again i i don't get into it maybe maybe it's different so maybe you need to tell me i don't i don't yeah, know yeah well i'll also throw out there uh <clears throat> here on long island the protests have been completely peaceful they've been great and uh the law enforcement's been great and the protesters have been great no destruction of property it's been entirely different than what you're seeing in new york city um with that we'll get to scott dwyer but uh before we do fort scott munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammo. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned business in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of this podcast, the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and us right here at the Battle Line Podcast. And I am going to add Scott Dwyer to our call here. All right. And I'm looking uh, I'm looking really forward to talking. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Me too. It's, it, I mean, I have never talked. It's unbelievable. How's it How going? How you doing, man? What's going on? Doing pretty good. How are you? Way too much like Drew. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, I, I'm here. I just, I can't do my video. Just so you got the double chin look on my bed. This is where I... <laughs> This is where I usually, I, but whenever I do video, it, it jacks it up. So that's why I just am on audio. So you got to look at Ian's pretty face and not my ugly, ugly triple chin right there. All right. So uh, here, I'm going to switch my video off, brother. All right. 
Cool, man. Just all for the audience, just to give background on, on who Scott is. Scott is a Marine Corps security force company, second fast company, uh, veteran, and the brother, of course, of Drew Dwyer. And I, you know, I already said it in the intro, Scott, and this is our first time talking. So, I mean, it's great to, to finally yeah, speak with you. you. But Thanks for yep. coming on, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So we're coming up on, on really the first anniversary tomorrow of the unfortunate death of Drew, who is just one of the nicest, most genuine guys. And I mean, you obviously grew up with him, you know, way better than even both of us. And I can't speak more highly of, of your brother. Yeah, I've heard so many people, man, that have reached out to me the past year that just said the same thing about him, how good, how awesome of a person he was, how much he helped him out in a you know, in a particular way. Um, well, he was still right. like a lot of his friends, man, still reach out to me. Well, he, um, he, he did help. I, you know, he did. He always, he always wanted it. He always gave, he always gave of himself. Always, yeah. always giving. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of things, cause you know, I, I work with Drew, Drew a bit. And then we were, we were, we actually probably became closer after I left, after we both left GRS uh, because we saw a lot of the same bullshit that we didn't agree with within the agency, but um, right. bro, we y'all, you know, I, I want to know how he was growing because I, I don't know. I uh. you know I don't I'm not gonna take his side. I want to know what the heck he, it was like growing <laughs> up with him because you know he he has a certain way and and it was it's it was but it's always was kind of chill. He 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 get angry, but even when he got angry, it was kind of a chill angry. It wasn't like <laughs> flying off the handles like. Dude, are you angry or not? I, all I can tell is because your face is all red. I can't really tell if you're right. angry or not. It just looks like you're about ready to explode. Let it out, man. Well, so how I was, was, he the, growing I up, was man? the youngest. I was the youngest of the three brothers, so I always caught the. I always, always caught the wrath. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what what was it like, man? If you can tell, because I think a lot of people want to know. I I definitely do. How was it like growing up with him? Because I, I don't know a lot of his his life when he was younger, aside from when he started he got in the Marine Corps. Because that's where our our connection really came from was the military, and then going to the GRS. He was always the popular dude with all the girls. <laughs> I mean, and I was always, are you? We called him. His name was Andy back then when we were younger. Are you Andy's little brother? Oh yeah, I know Andrew or Andy. Yeah, Andy, but, yeah. Uh, he's he was a pretty boy. He does. <laughs> he... always cut. You know, he had an old crew cut. Oh always lord. Nice. <laughs> All the girls liked him, man. But, um, I don't know. We, my mom raised us on her on her own, basically. And our our parents divorced when I was five. Sure. Yeah. So they were. Andrew was probably, I guess, nine or ten. So. Um, we grew up down here in South Carolina. Um, I mean, we're typical, you know, three brothers. Dude, yeah, three. Andrew was kind of, my oldest brother was always kind of more quiet. And Andrew was like, if somebody had to speak on the behalf of the three Dwyer boys, it was always Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was kind of like our pack leader, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's that's all. Man, yeah, I, I can see that, man. I, I really can. He, 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 but he always, he, he was pretty professional I, when he talked. I don't know if he was growing up then. If it was, I mean, he cussed. Don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah. but no, he, he's the type of dude that like, you know, if there was a speech to be made at a wedding or something, you know, Andrew would he'd have it, you know, typed out. Yeah. Everybody would have their copies. He was like right. a diplomat. He was a. I would always give him shit. Like, dude, you should be a politician. Man. Yeah. You're freaking diplomatic all the time, but you're full of shit too, man. You're yeah. perfect. No, he's definitely full of shit. Yeah, man. He would be the. He would be the spokesperson. Like, he would, you know, make sure he's up on the podium with his suit and 
pocket square yeah. on to make sure everybody <laughs> was center focus. The, yeah. the thing I noticed with him, too, and I don't know if he was like this growing up, is he was such a genuine guy in that if he liked you. So I, when I met Andrew the first time, I'm saying Andrew because you are. I just know him as Drew. But when I met him the first time, I genuinely clicked with him right away. And he's one of the only people I met later on in life that is one of my best friends. Like, my best friends were all guys I grew up with when I was, like, six, seven. I still hang out with them. Um, but if Drew didn't like you, he made it clear he did not like you. He was not someone who was able to be phony and be like, oh, this guy's all right. Sometimes it was justified. Sometimes it was completely unjustified. But Drew would make it clear, like, I don't fucking like this guy. Yeah. And, and sometimes you wouldn't even know why. And I, I gravitated towards that because there was no phoniness about him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know to say it. Uh, I, he got along with anybody if he needed to. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> yes. well, you, you, you had it, it, because he was in, you know, I was a contractor. He wasn't. He was actually a staffer. He was an employee with the agency. And you kind of had to I me. Mean, I, I get it going in. I didn't want to go in that office more than I had to there in Langley or Tyson's, the Tyson's office, because you just walk in and like, oh, my Lord, now I got to actually listen to a bunch of bullshit and maybe nod my head every once in a while agreeing, even though I'm like rolling my eyes going, this is, this is so stupid. And being half, having to be in that for, I don't know how many years he was at every day going in there. And really you have to compromise even when somebody's completely wrong, even if it might even endanger lives, you still It's hard to do. And, and he did it, but I don't know. Again, I don't know how I, he must, he must've learned how to do it because yeah, he, he could be very outspoken and we lost a lot of those outspoken TLs, those team leaders that we had at GRS. We lost them over the years. We just got yes men. And he really wasn't a yes man. And I, I that's one of the reasons why why I think, uh, you know, he was uh, – he literally, and we won't get into it, but why he was pushed out. I know there were some things that happened, but there's guys yeah. that did worse stuff than he ever did that were oh, still absolutely. working. Yeah, and I'm like, this <clears throat> is bullshit. Yeah, he loved doing it, man. But uh, – Yeah, oh, he, he was, he was he solid. He did it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, solid guy. He would what go, is, you know, he'd be overseas just on the drop of a hat. He'd have to go, you know, and then be gone for three months, six yeah. months. <laughs> Out of the blue, you know, he'd be calling me one day. He'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm back in Virginia. Like, <laughs> well, that's, for calling <laughs> that's, that's how it goes, man. You just like, he'd been it. back for a month already. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't hear from him. Well, I, that's that was the beauty of the job. Is that was the romanticism of the job, at least yeah. initially, was yeah, you just go and it's cool. It kind of feel like Jason Bourne a little bit, even though you're not, there ain't no fucking Jason Bourne's for real, guys. That's that's movies, they, no such thing. But you feel, yeah, I'm 007, I'm out. Nobody knows where I'm at. All right, I'm back in country. Well, where have you been for the last three months? I can't talk about it, man. I could I could tell you, but I have to kill you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, he would dog. He would, with pictures, man, he'd bring back just thousands of pictures on his on his iMac and to show us and play slideshows and like, oh man, that's fucking really cool. Like, but he couldn't really tell us what he's doing over there. So but, it's like, all right, still but you wonder know, at time. That well, that's what's so cool about he do that because that is you 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 feel when you're doing the job and I know he felt the same way and he saw beauty. He's one of the guys who could see beauty in a lot of stuff, even though it may not come across that way. If he saw something architecture or anything, you'll know, buy even bombed out buildings and it was it was beautiful. He, he'd take a picture of it. And that was what was cool about him. Why we got along so well is because it was it was it was. Oh, this is all horrendous. This is all awful. Yeah, there's awful shit going on. But there's also a beauty in the in the destruction. Yeah. There's a beauty in that awfulness. And where do you get to see that? 
Well, even again, like we and Ian are talking, even with all these riots going on, no, you don't get to go see where a JDAM just blew the shit out of a huge ass airplane hangar out the middle outside of of Kandahar. That you walk in like, oh my god, look at that destruction. That is freaking awesome. And right. that's as it was. So yeah, we. I know he felt blessed to do the job and. And honestly, I, I, I still I still condemn the agency and duress for because I know he wasn't ready to leave and them kind of forcing him out was bullshit because he, he wasn't. He wanted to keep working and he was he was he was in his prime. He'd so, still be in. He'd yeah, still be in, I believe. Yeah, I do. I do, too. Man. If, he could, if he could still hang it with him. <laughs> uh, he, 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 he would have found some way. I mean, when you're a team leader, you can get fat and happy. You're fine. You're fine. He'd have been fine. It, it, it was the experience and the experience that they lack with guys like Drew that I don't. And again, I've been out for a while, so maybe it's changed. But at the time when I was leaving, you just didn't have team leaders like Drew. It, you just didn't have those kind of guys anymore. You had yes men. You had guys that weren't didn't have the, the military background, didn't have any military background. Our guy in Benghazi, our team leader there, Roan was actually our assistant team leader, our actual team leader. Zero military, zero years in the military. How can you lead a bunch of bunch of operator guys, guys that have been with the SEALs or Rangers or Delta or Long Tavers or Fast Company or Marsh Soccer is what they call it. How can you expect that dude to lead him how can, with, if you have no military experience? Yeah, and, I don't know. Man. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying, well. But going back going back to what you said about finding the beauty in things, man, one of my favorite pictures I found of Drew, I think we found it on his laptop or, or something about – we were doing a slideshow for his service or whatever last year, and there were several pictures of him, you know, like tacked out, just yeah. muscle jacked, handing out candy <laughs> to all these kids. I mean, it's totally surrounding him. He's individually handing out pieces of candy, and that's that's cool. That's him, dude. He's a warrior and he's a, a giver. He 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 understood that. Yeah, that's that's we we say that switch is on. Well, he understood that. There's a time where the switch stays off. And it's always off. You want it off 90% of the time. Then when you flip the switch on, all right, get after it. I'm going to shoot you in the fucking face because you're trying to kill me. But then that switch goes off and because he understood hearts and minds. You had to you, – you, you have to in those countries. You, you kill one kid's father mistakenly, you have just created a whole province of freaking anti-American. One, one incident like that. Then you, But if you help one and they speak highly of you – now you're starting to develop that rapport, and they're going to fight alongside you, which – which, right. and he understood that. And a lot of people you – know, That's, you know, that's it, tough it, mentally to have to do yeah. that, switch back and forth like that. It, it is. Yeah. That's why That's why we're we're mentally batshit crazy, dude. We literally – and me and, me and Jerome, we used to always make fun of that. We could, we could sit and just be batshit crazy together in New York City. Walk around and make fun of point people because whenever I get in the city, I'd call him and say, hey, dude, I'm here. And he'd just take – he'd take a train. And he'd always – the thing is, though, is the dress attire. He started to dress down a little bit. He'd come and yeah. meet me at where I was at. He'd be in flip-flops, cut off BDU pants, which he made into shorts if it was summertime, yeah. and yeah. a T-shirt. And, and I'd be in my T-shirt and shorts. And we he, just, had, he had probably four or five of those yeah, cut-off <laughs> uh, camo shorts. Oh, yeah. Well, still no, with the name tapes on the back and everything. Still with the name tapes on the back. <laughs> it's like, hey, dude, you, you're going to get that name tape off of your ass because I know I know who you are, man. It's, it's so great. <laughs> I also <laughs> loved how he had uh, Mopsy, the uh, the service dog with, like, yeah. the marine the marine <laughs> vest on. And Mopsy was the tiniest little dog. So About a four-pound little. This, like, I don't know yeah, what that thing is. In this badass, like, marine <laughs> vest. Um but yeah, were you surprised when, when your brother became a CIA contractor or were you like, this is totally the path for him? 
I was surprised. I was like, man, that's fucking badass. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. I didn't really know. I don't think he even knew what he was going to do after the Marine Corps. Um, I think he extended into doing five years at eighth and I, and uh-huh. then I think he had started applying for just local, uh, County sheriffs up there in Northern Virginia. And then I guess he met the right person or just, or just did the right thing and got the job up there. And man, that was awesome. Brothers in the fucking CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was stationed, um, I never went and visited him too much up there. I, I was stationed in Yorktown, Virginia, when he was in D.C. So we were, I went up there and visited him as often as I could. Um, that's a that's a pretty base, man. Hey, you tell tell because we we're talking about Drew, but yeah, you're because you're military, and he he mentioned that he he didn't make fun. I'm not telling you he made fun either of which branch and everything. I'm not saying that he never did, as far as you know, he never did. But it, it, it but yeah, no, it's just brotherly love, and I could tell he loved you, man. When we talked. Um, but yeah, tell us about you when you went in, man. And and did, were you following in foot, or was that doing your own thing? Were you starting to set your own path, or was it like, hey, my well, brother set the example, so I'm going to do this? What was yeah, your... that was part of it. Um, our dad was a Marine Corps officer. Yeah, yep. our grandfathers were in the Marine Corps. Um, got an uncle, all kind of family members, Marines and Navy. So I was kind of like already in that mindset of, all right, I'm probably going to be in the military, and then. Uh, high school right around and I was like you know what I was kind of tired of prepping for college and doing the the whole studying thing and trying to get into colleges like I'm going to Marine Corps so um, I wasn't a great student in high school I had my mindset at probably about 10th grade I was gonna join Um, I enlisted at 17 years old um, shipped off to boot camp June 10th of 2001 and Graduated September 7th, 2001. So, wow, that is an uh, interesting nine, time, right? 9 11 yeah. happened on my boot leave. And uh, funny story. Uh, that's, I think I mentioned this to you. Andrew was on your show years ago. It was one of the uh, anniversary 9 11. Yes, yeah. And he, he, you were asking where he was. And he was like, I think I was down visiting my mother for some reason. <laughs> And uh, I gave him shit after the show. I was like, dude, you were visiting me at Paris Island. I was graduating boot camp. Oh, he didn't hear him. <laughs> How did uh, he not he was, remember that? How do you not remember where you were on 9 11? Fucking He was, I mean, he was down here. It's, uh, I mean, we live two hours from Paris Island. So, um, but he was stationed at the Pentagon during 9 11. I don't know mm. if you guys do that. So he was, yeah, he was down here. He went in the, he went in, in the Pentagon. And and can I just say, man, I think it blows people's mind when they hear what he was doing at that time because Drew looked so young. Yeah. I remember Jack Murphy saying he was like, wow, he was younger than me. And I'm like, no, dude, he was not younger than you. He, he's <laughs> a lot older than people realized. Hey, him and I, are, I think we're, we're right around the same age. I'm, I'm 49 now. We're pretty close. Uh, Andrew, he would have been. Like 46? Is 42. that right? 42. Okay, so he's he, but young. he looked my age, I would say. Yeah, he did. I mean, look he young. looked like he was in his early 30s. He did look young. Yeah. He looked well, everybody looks like a child in their boot camp pictures in the Marine Corps. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think he was born in 77, so yeah, because yeah. no, Jack is right around my age, and we all, you know, I think when I met you, I assumed he was around my age, and no, he uh, he did a lot of stuff prior, and people didn't realize. So, you know, now that you're going on the story about uh, with the previous podcast and all that, 
you saw that I posted about Greg Wong, the guy who was arrested for impersonating a National Guard officer. Uh, I got to tell you the story involving Drew. I didn't want to ruin it and tell you on Facebook. I I wanted to tell you on here. So I'll give you a little backstory. I never heard it either, man. I want to hear this. Well, Uh, I told you on the first episode part of it, and I didn't say the name Greg Wong. Well, and that's what you shouldn't have because, you know, I remember Drew. He mentioned shit about that, too. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. go ahead. Go, go. All right. So I'll tell you guys and, and I'll give a little backstory here. At SHOT Show a few years back, I met this guy, Greg Wong, who was friends with people in the circle of guys that I hung out with, who apparently, from what I read and from what I saw, former Army guy, didn't do anything, you know, that interesting, but he was a former Army guy. And he he was very into this cosplay thing of, like, dressing up as Army Ranger or Navy SEAL, but it wasn't, uh, as far as I knew, impersonating anything. He liked to go to comic book conventions and was into airsoft and it's a whole culture I don't really know. So when I met him at SHOT Show, uh, I was I think I was describing what we did on Soft Rep Radio. And I said, yeah, we have uh, Navy SEALs on and Army Rangers. And at least how I recall this, I remember him saying but he's, to me, he is a vet, right? Yeah, he's, he was a, he was an IT guy, dude. He worked with he was in the Signal Corps. He, he was an IT specialist. So, so, so here's yeah. the thing, at least how I recall this. I remember saying to him who we had on the show. And he goes, oh, cool, man. I'm an, I was an Army Ranger. And I was like, all right, well, maybe we'll go in the show sometime. So I took his info down. And I remember I had a show with Nick Irving and Marty Scovlin coming up. So I said, all right, let's throw another Army Ranger guy in here. Now, I'll be honest, Greg Wong, if you look at his pictures, does not look like a very tough guy, does not look like a typical Army Ranger. But I always think, hey, you can't judge a book by its cover. I mean, we had... Luke Ryan on the Luke, show. Uh, right? Would you Ryan. ever think Luke Ryan's an Army Ranger? Luke, I wouldn't. No, he looks like Luke Opie looks like he's twelve. <laughs> Look, he like Opie Cunningham, dude. He, yeah. He, so <laughs> I figured, you know, I don't know how to vet these guys. I I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. So I just said to Nick Irving, "Hey, we're going to have this guy Greg Wong on, uh, who told me he's a former Army Ranger." And Nick Irving says to me, "He's like uh, Greg Wong." I'm going to tell you right now, man. Dude is not a fucking Army Ranger. <laughs> he was like, "Ask him if he's been in Ranger Battalion." And we ended up having him on the show. And I think he said something to the extent of like, oh, I was in Ranger school, but I was not an Army Ranger. And I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, at the time, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I recall this story wrong. You know, it's SHOT Show. Maybe he didn't say he was an Army Ranger. And maybe I'm, who knows? Maybe, maybe my memory on it is off. But now that I'm seeing what happened now, my memory was probably right. Uh so uh, fast forward, this guy ends up doing social media for the company Drew and I worked at previously, and he emails your brother and says, and, and doesn't address, doesn't address who he is or anything, and says, "Hey man, could you send me like a couple of premium crates? Send me this, this, and this." And Drew just writes back, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and so this guy, Greg Wong, emailed like the heads of the company we were at. And was like, hey, I, I uh, you know, really don't appreciate being addressed this way. Totally unprofessional. Uh, this guy didn't ask who I was, you know, or, or get any background on me. So it pissed Drew off <laughs> that he had to, like, email the heads of the company. So Drew told me this. And this was in his words. He's like, you know, I found a picture of this fucking kid, like, at a comic book convention dressed up <laughs> as special operations. And he's like, and I found the most badass picture of myself stationed. I think it was, like, in Colombia or something. Because your brother did stuff in South America, right? right. Yeah. He was like, I found the most badass picture of me. And he's like, I just put the two pictures together, emailed him back, and wrote, sorry, bro. I didn't realize I was speaking with a fellow operator. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I always loved that story. And then fast forward to now, it turns out this guy, Greg Wong 
uh, got in an Uber dressed up as National Guard saying, that, you know, and trying to trying to impersonate. Yeah. yeah. Previously on Facebook saying I would love to help out with you guys and no one was biting. So he took it upon himself, went there with, you know, totally wrong firearm uh, <laughs> equipment on him that he shouldn't have had. And they spotted him right away. And he's probably going to do a pretty big sentence for that. I mean, I don't think he meant any harm. He was always a really good guy when I met him, but that is that is some serious shit. You don't do that. Yeah, I've seen some pretty funny memes about him already, too. I'll share it with you guys when I find them. Like what type of stuff? Like just people have, they had, you know, Wong's gear lined up, like pictures of the stuff he had on him, and people were just like replicating that, like... Yeah, whatever he had on him. I'm telling you, I, I got told to you when I heard this, uh, you told me about it. I'm like, I know why they caught him as an airsofter. I know he had better equipment than the damn National Guard troops probably. Yeah, he had so magazine. He, he had a magazine in his rifle at least. Oh, geez. I'm like, oh my gosh. But it, it just, again, with, with, with guys like that, guys, and I know you going out there and, and thinking again that this is a war and you're yeah. that fuck call, you want to go get in war go back and re-enlist guys like wong sign an option 40 contract get a seal challenge you know, put your put your packet in, in the marine corps and sign up for marsac marsoc and all right go do it go get your shit on but not just uh, good initiative bad judgment right. just support from afar and go play some airsoft and enjoy yourself man wasn't he just standing among the like in formation yeah. with these guys trying to was that it, Ian? Because I, I don't know if they yeah. caught him when he yeah, got off apparently the Uber. Took or an, yeah, he took an Uber there, and he just got he just got, got in there as if yeah, as if he was meant to be there, and uh, he got spotted out right away. They arrested him, and <laughs> and as people are saying, because I've been looking at, at the comments, on top of the impersonation, the guns that he had in the state of California, that's going to be uh, some added sentence there. Yeah, hey, hey, uh, he, he had an AR-15, and what looked like a a 30 round magazine in it, which I guess you can't have in California. I wouldn't yeah. I live in a free state. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Play stupid games, man. Everybody knows this, knows to finish that saying out, play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. That's just how it is. Man. It, it just, I don't, I, I don't know what people are thinking. That's where you get this mindset of just being dumbasses and, and thinking that you're helping when, man, can, again, Ian, even you said it, when you said it, I, I imagine, can you imagine if he had actually, actually killed somebody, the, it would have just brought down even the house even more. I mean, it would have just created so much, so much things even worse. So don't be stupid out there, guys. And if you're an airsofter, do airsoft. You're good at it. Stay at it. If you want to go get your kill on and you want to go do you don't sign up for the military and list, go fight the Taliban, go fight Al Qaeda, go fight and An- answer Al Sharia, ISIS, the Somali pirates, go fight them, dude. And, and if you don't, then just chillax, chillax, and just relax and, and listen to the Battle Live podcast and Scott Dwight. <laughs> <as it. laughs> and, you know, I don't I don't want to laugh at the guy's misery because it, it sucks what's going to happen, sucks for his family. But when I did read the story, my immediate thought was Drew is laughing somewhere at this guy. Yeah. He <laughs> called out for being an airsofter, did this. And that I I was looking and trying to remember because I remember Drew mentioned Wong guy to me and we we're talking like how did he actually he wanted me to do a background check on him you ever he I remember he asked did you ever hear of this guy and that's where I've heard that name that guy Wong but I've never met him but I was like no nah, I never heard of him I don't remember him going to Ranger School or anything so I think it was because this was all going on when Drew was working with the company that we shall not name right 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it all. Like I said, he was yeah. doing. Uh, he was doing social media. So, and that's whenever, whenever there was a Ranger question, I remember Drew would ask me. He'd always, he'd do. We do due diligence. He like, hey, dude, you know this dude, or have you heard this guy before? And and I so I knew I'd heard of Wong before. I'm like, where the fuck have I heard of that name for? Drew did. He did a background. He's just like, hey, man, is this guy who he says he was like, fuck no, I don't. I've never heard of this guy. His sense of humor on things, which I've mentioned on previous shows, whenever I would uh, go out someplace with Drew, Drew would list off my resume like I was the most important guy in the room. And I remember <laughs> writing this because, you know, he would always be like, this guy's worked for Sirius XM, Senator Bill Bradley. And I'm like, dude, I haven't done shit. You <laughs> were a former CIA contractor, Marine. Personal like, hype man following along with <laughs> Always, dude. And, and it was just funny. It was almost embarrassing because I was like, this guy's resume is is incredible to me. The amount of action Drew saw downrange, the amount of countries he went to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could probably list them off. He, he was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, pretty much every continent. I don't know. I couldn't name all the countries he's been in. Um, uh, so. I, re- I remember I told him I was, I was going to change his call sign from Saint to Flavor Flav because he was a freaking <laughs> hype man. And I'm like, dude, you are a hype man. Because he did. That's how I remember sitting in a New York bar where we come visit and I, I, I'd met, this is when he first introduced me to Fran. Um, and we don't have to get in that if you don't want Scott. I, but I remember <laughs> I introduced me to Fran and, and he was hyping me up and I did, I remember sitting there was, it was a bar that looked like it resembled the church. And I don't forget, it was in Manhattan uh, uh, on the outskirts. And, but I do remember saying, look at him going, dude, cause he was hyping me up. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm like, dude, you, I'm going to change your call sign to flavor Flav right now. Cause it's like, holy shit. Yeah, so you don't need to do that, man. Stop, stop that. Um, I wish I could have, I, I wish I could have made it up to New York city while he was living up there, man. I've never been up there and regret that I never went and visited him. Well, the, you, well, now if we we get the studio open, Ian, get Scott back on and get him up in the studio, yeah, man. We'll do another. Never one. been in New York City. I didn't do nearly the stuff Andrew did. So I mean, uh, I went to school of infantry, uh, gun school in Chesapeake, Virginia, and then went to Second Fast Company, and then oh. ended my ended my contract at uh, Kings Bay, Georgia, at the nuclear sub base. That's it. I mean, security. Well, well, hey, brother, when the fast, would you, were you able to deploy? Because a lot of, I mean, that's, you know, that's fast companies. That's who I was calling that night. We we knew we had two in the area yeah. that uh, evening that were going on, man. I deployed uh, just, I guess you can call it deployments, down to Cuba and um, Vegas Island to do fence line security down there. Sure. But tell me time. Near the end of Drew's life, he was texting me really often saying, I'm working with Annie Jacobson on some stuff while she was putting that book out. Uh, what TV series was it again he was helping out? Uh, was it Jack Ryan? I or? believe so. And, yeah. like, he got to meet all these different guys, tell them what it was like to be in the CIA, kind of like how Tonto did with 13 Hours. Um, and he was really proud of that. Did he, did he give you any, like, background on that stuff? Because he seemed really excited to be doing it. He that. bragged about it all the time. <laughs> we got, um, I got a copy of the, the book. Uh, my fiance is reading it now. I haven't read it. I mean, I've I browsed through it. Um, that uh, he, he was working on some kind of uh, gaming, uh, Xbox game or something, helping out with that. Um, I guess doing some kind of like the movements and theatrics of the actual game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a couple pieces of the. I guess they're like little statues or figurines that that are in the game. I don't remember which one. It was one of the Tom Clancy Rainbow Six. Oh, maybe. Rainbow Six. It was Rainbow Six. Yeah. 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 Um, as far as the TV show he was helping out on, I, I don't know if 
they got too far into that. Oh, uh, that was kind of towards the end. So. <laughs> you know, he he would go on the news uh, and he go on all of CNN and Fox. Yeah, I remember he was on CNN. I, yeah. I, but I remember when he was going on CNN because he did, at that time. Yeah, that was when I was really outspoken, and I was really, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was, I was playing sides, and and he goes, dude, I'm gonna mention your name on CNN, and see what happens, and he did. He went on CNN, and he <laughs> he was mentioned like Foundation. He goes, yeah, and he, Chris Perano, and, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, dude, because I think that's probably the only time in two years that CNN actually <laughs> said anything about about us, myself, Oz, or Tig, and that was like, yeah, that's cool, brother, because he he called me. Hey, you know, on your, I want to get back to Scott on your service in, you know, with the fast company. We haven't really had, we haven't had somebody from fast company or have been with fast company on the show yet. And, uh, you know, I'd ask Drew the same question if he was, but yeah, could you tell us you know, what, what takes place if guys and youngsters, cause we do have a lot of youngsters that listen to the show too. Excuse my language yeah. sometimes guys. Um, a lot of them may ask me, hey, what, what does it take to be a SEAL? What does it take to be a Ranger? So forth. If you want to be a fast Marine, give a description of the job. So a lot of them know, because there's confusion between MSGs and fasts, and then you got right. Marsaw. And then also, you know, what does it take and how to prepare for it, brother? I, I'd like to hear a little bit of that, because we haven't had that on the show yet, even though, even though with a lot of the veterans that we have had on, no fast company guys yet. So, uh, huh. yeah, can you go on that a bit? You got to um, have an infantry uh, MOS first. Okay, um, so which infantry requirement. Predetermined, yeah. yeah, predetermined for me when I went in. Um, you got to score a certain, uh, I don't remember the score in the ASVAB. Um, surprisingly, I scored high enough. Well, so yeah, I, bro, I, it's, I, it, it's infantry, dude. We don't need to score yeah. that high. We're, uh, pre, <laughs> we're okay. <laughs> predetermined um, secondary MOS is 8152. You want to get is, that before you go yeah. into boot camp. Now, what is that for us, for us Army guys? What's that? 8152 is the Marine Corps Security Force. A security Force, okay. Yeah, so you'll go you'll go to uh, Security Force School, Chesapeake, Virginia, after your infantry schools, after your boot camp, all that. Um, it's gun school. It's riot control. You, uh, you learn different weapon systems that you don't get to learn in infantry school. Sure. Um, your, your shotguns, your M9 Beretta, or whatever they use now, SIGs. Um, it's a short school. I think it was eight weeks. Um, and then you get selected to either go to fast company. I think there's three fast companies now. I'm not sure. I think there's first, second, third. Okay. Or they've combined two of them. I don't know. It's all different now. You'll either get selected to get a fast company. Uh, very few will get selected to go to eighth and I in DC, which is what Drew did. Um, and, and why is is that like what is it is there are those more and without any disrespect are those more premier or are they are they a higher level tier higher, you know are they tier levels where it's just you're gonna are you gonna be deployed more or is it more selective why is that the only the only thing they they differentiate is uh if you go to either Bangor, washington or kings bay georgia where they have the submarines is got it you can't be a conscientious objector or whatever. Um, okay. But yeah, the, the prestigious, I mean, eighth and eyes, you got to be pretty boy, tall enough, fast <laughs> enough, perfect PFT, all that crap Drew was, you know. Gotcha. Uh, you're you're going to be out there up front. That, that's the guys that that you're seeing out there in front of the Capitol buildings or in front yeah. of the submarine. So, so, I get you. He did, yeah, he, I can see that. He's a pretty boy. He looked pretty. Uh, yeah, fast, <laughs> fast companies. Um, I say it's probably about where 
at least in my class, probably about half went to Fast Company. Um, you got to be fit. You got to sure. be really yeah. fit. Um, we trained. We did helicopter ops, water ops, wharf ops. Um, trained hard. And basically, the what Fast Company's purpose is, is you're America's 911. You're the first responders to a world crisis within, you know, 24 hours. Like the USS Cole Fast Company was the first guys there. 9/11, where were the, the Marines were first on the ground up in New York City, um, stuff like that. You, you hear that, Clinton and Obama? Just to let you know, I just want to <laughs> let you guys know. I, and I, that's why we knew where you're at. Again, that's that's where. So, and, and I knew that the troops there, and there was ones that were in Spain, and there was ones that were in Sigonella. People don't hear about the ones in Sigonella. I know the troops on the ground, or they were actually going. They were they were, they were geared up. I think it was four hours after they heard of us. They were, which we got the initial calls before midnight. I mean, they were geared up four hours. Four hours ready to go. I know there's there's uh, security force marines in Rota, Spain. I don't yep. know if that's closer than Sigonella, but there there brother Spain Sigonella's Spain is still really damn close. Rota's per and th- those guys actually, if you read Trey Gowdy's report. They actually were ready to go, and then what they did is they played dick dance games with them. They made them go change back into civilian clothes because they didn't want them to go over in uniforms because it would have been too threatening is what the excuse was. State Department was giving the excuse. Then they changed back to military tack gear. Then they changed back to civilian clothes. They did that four different times while they were waiting to to get the word to come to us. And then the Signella guys – they were just told to get ready and then were never told anything again. And both uh, signals a little bit closer, but still it, in terms of what was going on, how long it was going on for now, it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. We would have liked to have seen any of them. And, and I, I don't think politicians, and maybe you can attest to this as well. I know some of the younger guys, younger Marines that were on those fast cut and really fucked their heads up. I talked to them after and they're like, man, I, I got one coming to me in Colorado after I spoke to a group about post-traumatic stress. And I didn't know he was one of those fast company guys there at Sigonella. And he come up, put his arm around me and started crying and apologizing. And I'm like, dude, I go, you, you were ready. <laughs> yeah. And, and politicians don't get that shit. They don't see that, that their stupid calls will affect a troop, especially a young troop, maybe for life and scar him for life when he did nothing. In fact, he did everything right. He just didn't get the word from his commander to, to get on the bird and get the hell out of it, get the hell yeah. out to us. Yeah, and, I know every single every single Marine or, I mean, anybody would have been over there in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, no, and that's why but, I respect, I make fun, we make fun inter-service shit, but I know for a fact that every fast company Marine that was in the area, <clears throat> the actual ground pounders, the actual guys that are actually doing the damn job, not the ones sitting in the jock, and even some of the ones sitting in the jock, I know are probably biting their nails, so they got to get our guys out of there. But the guys on the ground, they were all ready. They were ready yeah. to come. They were ready in, in hours. And, um, and but, you know, and that's, that's, that's worth respect for fast company guys. And, and then I'll let you guys inter service rivalry. You guys can MSGs and fast and, and recon and forest recon. You guys can all yell at each other and make fun of each other inter service. I won't get into that of who's the best. <laughs> um, Hey, on your class with the uh, with Fast Company though, what's 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 usually the graduation rate? How arduous is the training? And and are are you losing? You know, I'm sure it's got to be somewhat selective. You've got to have good PT, but um, yeah, on uh, on graduation and drop rates, you always look at that, and it is a good indicator of how tough things can be. And right. if guys want to go in, they need to prepare themselves mentally and physically. So, what is the graduation rate? Or if you want to go in the so, half half empty, what was the dropout rate? Drop rates 
The drop rate was really low. I mean, by the time you get to security force school, you've already you've, you've already gone to infantry school. And, you, and so, I mean, so you're you're pretty much you've you've pretty much uh, you know scraped off all the all the low hanging fruit, and they're they're gone yeah. because you've already yeah, dropped out. Gotcha. And, and and gun schools, I mean, it's mostly weapons qual weapons fam. I mean, you're still doing PT all the time. Sure. But uh, you're just learning new weapon systems. I know we were the we were the first ones to actually get the Benelli M4 shotguns. No shit. Is that what you guys were using as Benellis? Yeah. Well, oh, we, wow. So we were the first ones to test those out and, and start carrying those. That was awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm I'm taking it back. Though. I thought the Marines always got the shittiest gear. That's bullshit. Oh, we had, well, we yeah, had the old Mossberg, <laughs> Mossberg Pump 500s. Those are pieces those, of shit. Those, those, but damn, you're getting the Vanellis. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Then you get, you, you can always just get the Walmart, the, the what I consider the Walmart ones, the ones that are always just good, but they're not over expensive. They're not, is the Remington's, the 870s. I mean, those are just the standards, but Vanellis, yeah, that's ass. Shotguns just to carry around. We're using them a lot. Just was it more for, for uh, just door breaching and stuff, or was it for even putting loads for anti riots or what? We use them for riots. We did, um, we had uh, rubber buckshot and beanbag rounds. Sure. That we carried them for. We never, uh, well, other than qualifying, we never used live ammo with for, them. Um, we did the, a lot of riot control. I mean, especially down in, down in Viegas Island. Um, I'm sure. When the that fence line got broken, that. Native guy got bombed accidentally. Oh yeah! Oh, <laughs> I forgot. Deci- we, decided we, to walk around in the Navy's bombing range. So those uh, big. <laughs> every place again. Go back. Play stupid games. Finish. You guys finish it off. Win stupid prizes. Man, it's just car- karma. And natural selection. And they, yeah. they sent us down there because they they were starting to breach the fence line and oh, protest. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, over when I was in Yemen, I went to Sanaa. We had a, a fast company that was that was protecting, and they had a big embassy there in Sanaa, Yemen. And I remember when the riot started happening there, because I went to Sanaa. I've said I've said this a million times. Went to Sanaa after after Libya, and yeah, I remember. Uh, that's why they don't play. There's there's no. That's why this is completely different with, with the riots going on here. I, I really believe that because those riots are they they did get rioty. They and then they started <laughs> to try to breach the the embassy. And yeah, I remember as soon as they breached the MC, you had a good fast company, a DDM, a good marksman up there, and he just, bam, done, dead, gone. And now, dude, it's not supposed to be doing. And you know, Benghazi just happened the year before, so we weren't playing playing any games. But even then, even eventually, there where the riots got so big, and they did eventually breach the embassy, and they even breached our annex, is that we we could have, and we yeah, we could have. We could, we had all the rights and the reasons just to just just to mow everybody down. We did, and we didn't. We actually got out of the country. We actually, you know, that was the president's decision at the time was okay. Everybody just drop everything, get to the airports and get out of there, and we're out. Yeah. Now, granted, we fucked up that country. That was wrong. But again, you know, seeing the force escalation, even when guys are trained, they have the right to do, and and we're our lives are under under threat. We still held back. We still held, and we did. We did. You know, even even we could have just basically mowed down half the damn city. Uh, and the I should say we. I should say the you know the fat the fast company guys did their job. That says a lot. Again, for for your training, it says a lot for your your you know the value of life. I know we talk a lot of shit. Yeah, oh, I kill all these damn terrorists. But when it comes right down to it, we do what we have to do. 
to get the job done, but it's it's not indiscriminate at all. And it says a lot for the fast company training. Maybe that's maybe maybe a lot of these law enforcement guys need to go to the fast company riot training. I don't know. You tell me. It's a badass training. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It was, that's mostly what we did. Kind of crowd control, perimeter setups, riot control. Kind of, you know, our mission was to be the first ones there, set a perimeter, set up security so we can get guys out. That's awesome, man. No, it, it is. And it's great hearing that because, as Chris said, there's younger guys who are deciding what they want to do. Um, I got to tell you one more funny Drew story uh, to get onto, you know, back to him because I was thinking about it. <clears throat> We got a chance when I was uh, previously with him, you know, where we were to interview Dana Perino. And he told me, he's like, <laughs> I got to slip in here that I have a huge crush on Kimberly. He loved, I forgot yeah. about that, man. Oh, so, oh, yeah. So uh, in the, you know, I, it was it was just like, I don't even know how he threw it in there. But we're talking to Dana Perino and he was like, oh, you know, you're on the five. I got to tell you, I got a big crush on uh, Kim, on Kimberly Guilfoyle. And uh, Dana's like, all right, well, I have to tell her that. And then later on in the interview, I mean, like at the time he was married. So I like I, I mentioned something about his wife because I'm like, he's not going to get with Kimberly Guilfoyle. Like, right. or, I know you want to, Drew, but, you know, she's hooking up now with Donald Trump Jr. Like, I don't, I don't think she's looking for you, bro. But um, <laughs> so anyway, after the interview, he never let me live that down. He was like, dude, you totally cock blocked me from Kimberly <laughs> Guilfoyle. <laughs> oh, I forgot yeah. to say I that. Remember, I remember him mentioning her several times after that. So. He did He did every time I went on whatever she subbed in for Hannity. And that was when I was on Hannity's show a lot. Or I did the five, and I actually took a picture. Me and Oz had just done the five, and Oz was hugging Dan- Dana Perino, and I had my arms around Kimberly. Because how do you say go go foil? Gilfoil. Like, oh my god, he just like holy shit, dude! You, you, are you gonna see her again? You gotta tell. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Drew, stop, man. No, I honestly, I'm Drew. I, I I'm not gonna go <laughs> tell her that you, you want to. But it was funny because he would bust my balls for the, and that was in the early beginning of after the the movie came out. We were on the news a lot, and so every, dude, every time we, that's the first thing you say. He said, "You talk to Kim for me." I'm like, dude, shut up, dude. I know I have it. I'm, I'm I stop. <laughs> I oh, that that put a huge smile on my face. I forgot all about that. I, how much he loved. And he would always give me shit about that picture because I was, you know, I had my arm hugging her and, and it was off. Yeah, that, I, and I honestly, I, sorry, Kim, I just, I don't think she's that attractive. I tell him that, like, dude, I don't think she's that pretty, but if that's what you like, but I'm not going to go tell her, no, you're, you're not meeting her. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to tell her anything. Drew loves some ladies, man. <laughs> I think crazy. she was totally his type too, right? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. I cut you off, man. No, no, you didn't. I was just saying Drew loves some ladies, man. That's, Dude, uh, Drew, <laughs> I don't know. I if, can't say too much about that, but. I don't know if Drew had, uh, Drew didn't have a type. <laughs> no. Drew, Drew. Yeah, yeah, that's best looking one there in the group. Well, yeah. so I, uh, dude, Fran, I, I, I thought, I thought Fran was, I'm not, you know, re- respectfully, I thought Fran was really proud. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Know, come on, they friends tell up that prayer. They can. I was saying it jokingly. It wasn't like he was really going to go on a date with Kimberly Gulf Gulfoil. Well, like, dude, come on, are you kidding me? Yeah, she's you're crazy. Well, I mean, look, I've never met Kimberly <clears throat> Gulfoil, but her uh, her history is like Gavin Newsom, now Donald Trump Jr. Like, 
I don't I don't think you have the bank account for Kimberly Kofor. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I thought that was a funny one. But uh, yeah, man, you know what? I actually wanted to ask you before we let you go for sure. And I'm, I might be stealing Chris's thunder here. Cause no, 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 what, no, go. Well, but I, I think every show we like to talk about the perseverance aspect, the, you know, conquering yeah. Yeah. Uh, obstacles in your life, pretty much with every guest we have on. This has obviously been a super tough year for you. Drew is gone way before his time. He had many more years in him. And how do you get through that, man? How do you say I'm gonna I'm gonna pick myself up and and keep living in his honor and and doing things that that he would love to see me do? Um, yeah, I mean, first off, yeah, Memorial Day was tough for us. And uh, actually, just talked to my mom earlier today, and we're gonna go visit uh, visit him tomorrow. He's he's not too far from here, so. But yeah, I mean, I. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of them. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, just live part life like he would and keep in my memories and, you know, share stories with my kids about his time in the service and all that stuff. I mean, that's awesome. No, I got that's, memories that's of him awesome. all over the place, of <laughs> all his flags and memorabilia now, so. That's awesome, bro. I, and uh, he, he, you know, I, I always got the impression that you, you know, from Drew, whenever he talked, to, I talked to him about it, that family was pretty strong with you guys. So I didn't ever feel like, you know, because I, I have a lot of veteran buddies out there that are estranged from their families or don't talk to them a whole bunch or didn't, didn't, you know, they didn't grow up as close. I never got that feeling yeah. of Drew. Yeah, like distance wise, I mean, we're all over the place. My other <laughs> brother's from Wisconsin. And, um, I mean, we're close. But, you know, for being so far away all the time. I mean, we, we always talk, texted, talk shit. Text about <laughs> fantasy football. I mean, dude, Andrew was the, the shit-talkingest dude on fantasy football. Even though he sucked at it, <laughs> he would still shit, find some way to shit-talk me and my other brother about it. What, what was his team again? I know he was a big football guy. His NFL team? Yeah. It depends on where he lived at the time. <laughs> he was they, a Patriot fan. He was a Patriot. Yeah, he. I hated. Before that, that he was a Redskins fan, uh, a Giants fan. Which, that, which, how could you even? I'm not a big NFL guy, but how could you be a Patriots fan and a Giants fan? That doesn't work. Yeah, I don't know. He was he was a Giants fan when he lived in New York, and then when he moved to Connecticut, became a Patriots fan. Patriots fans. Uh, That's so funny, man. That's so fair weather. But uh, oh, and then he went from uh, went from the Yankees to the Red Sox too. I know, and that pissed me. I like, dude, you're that. We're not friends anymore. When he said that, like, we are not friends anymore. You could that's you can go from Yankees to the Mets, but you can't go from Yankees to the Red Sox. And I was a Cowboys fan, so we would give each other on all those teams. I was I'm like, dude, are you serious? Redskins, Giants, Patriots, no Cowboys. And we did watch one game, Monday Night Football game in New York. I came in, I was doing a show. And we watched, and it was a Giants Cowboys game, and the Cowboys actually pulled it out, and I was like, "Out, oh, man!" It was fun. It was, it was a good. I rubbed it in so bad, and he was pissed because he got that red face that he gets when he's pissed and he's a little, little drunk. We've been drinking a little bit, <laughs> but it was, it was <laughs> awesome. Then we went for a walk, and I just razzed him about it, and then we just. But it it was fun. It was a fun, I remember watching that game, a Monday night game. I, I, yeah, I just, things like this, I I forget. It just gets so overwhelmed with stuff. And talking to you, it brings back. Because every time I went to New York City, I I let him know. And if he could get to me, he always did. And I understood if he couldn't. But we'd always spend at least a couple hours, you know. And we'd go to Emmett's. We'd go to O'Looney's. And we'd always go to O'Looney's. And we'd have a drink. And we'd watch the game if the game was on. And and um. Yeah, man, we'd have we'd we'd eat and we'd just hang out. Then we'd walk, get a cup of coffee, 
And then he'd get back on the train, head home, and I'd go back to my room and go to bed. It was good times, really good times. He was supposed to. I don't know if any of you guys know this. He was <laughs> planning on moving back down here with me in South Carolina about a, yeah. week, before he, about a week before he passed away. So. Yeah, actually, I, I I talked to him about that. I, I, him and I, I was going through a bad stint with my wife. My it was I was divorced at the time, um, and we were thinking about reconciling. I had a terrible, terrible girlfriend. She was just miserable, awful. And he would actually talk me off the ledge, even though he was going through his own things. He would, I'd call him, and I'd and he'd always, and we we would just talk to each other. We'd bitch about women to each other as guys do, but we. We, we we try to talk each other off the ledge. I remember talking to him about that when I was driving from Omaha to speak at an event outside of St. Louis, Missouri. And we talked for like two hours. This was, yeah, the week before all this, you know, week before he passed away. Yeah. I remember him telling you that. And I was like, honestly, I said, that's the, brother, that's the best thing for you. Get out of New York City. Get home. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, or yeah. technically Connecticut at the time. Or, uh, yeah. Connecticut, yeah. yeah. I was I I I just always said New York because that's where I always saw him. He he always say like Chris. I don't live he'd in New York. Yeah, City. he still claimed New York as his <laughs> as his town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he, yeah, was, he was, was there regularly. So yeah, he he was a week away from moving down here, man, which sucks. I mean, yeah. I got I got the phone call, you know, from the Newtown Police. What tomorrow would have been, you know, a year nine thirty yeah. in the morning. So like, man, that's not true. It's just some kind of prank call or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I everything was packed up, ready to come down here. Well, bro, you you you're doing good, keeping the family together and yeah, remembering. And you're always welcome to come on the show anytime, anytime you want. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I you know talk about Drew, talk about your fast company and stuff because I yeah, I think I think that if people are going to go in the military, in the especially if you want to be a marine, I think that's an honorable job to go into and and you know i worked being a contractor working in embassies or annexes we're always around fast guys and uh, fast company guys i think that's that's a good route to go if, if unless you yeah. don't want to do marsoc i think that's that's a that's another another outstanding option so um man even and i it, youngsters listening to guys like yourself that done that you know even putting more out there telling and, and you can say hey, this is what you need to get prepared for so man it, it's but more than anything being a good just you're you always spoke highly i'm surprised you and i had never talked before i was like man i don't never talk to scott but you know you're 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 keeping his memory alive and that's important i know that's hard to do man i really do i appreciate it yeah no thank you thank you no yeah, we'll keep no, him alive man I'll, I'll 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 come back and talk on the show anytime you guys want yeah if you're ever in new york city absolutely <laughs> and, and you know what? i'm thinking of another funny drew story uh before we wrap things up here uh, he, for one, I could say he truly loved this country. And I know that that's like, that's uh, a given people would think with anyone who's special operations, anyone who's a contractor, there's guys who will say they joined for different reasons. Drew really did love America. And he was, yeah. you know, uh, he, he didn't apologize for it. And it was something he talked about it. and his family service, you know, you telling me that is not the first time I heard it. He always oh, yeah. said how. He has a history of his father, grandfather, all of that. And that's why he was proud to serve. Um, funny he story. Was never, he, he was never really political about any, any of that, too. It was, exactly. No. He was, he was there just to, you know, serve, serve his country. I actually have no idea. I, I couldn't even tell you what Drew's political beliefs were. It was all about just I couldn't either. America. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, either. It he wasn't like something we ever got it. into. He didn't like to talk about it anyway. Not about politics. And those are some of my favorite people. I, I like the people who don't get wrapped up in politics and just love this country. I, I think we, we need more of that. But, uh, 
Yeah, funny story that I have with him is uh, I remember when I interviewed Rob O'Neill, he came in and he wanted to get a bunch of books signed. And it was so funny to me because to me, Drew, what Drew has done is as cool as anybody, is honestly to me as cool as Rob O'Neill. I don't look at those guys any different. I think they both did some of the the most awesome things that you can do for this country. So it was so funny. Drew had these pile of books. I'm holding the against all well CD, but just uh, to show you, and I know the audience doesn't see, I remember him having this pile of books and asking Rob O'Neill for a signature and his hand was shaking like this. He was so nervous and starstruck to meet Rob O'Neill. And I'm like, Dude, get a hold of yourself, man. Like, this guy hasn't done anything cooler than you've done. Yes, I know he was there, you know, Bin Laden raid and all that. But Drew would have done the exact same thing if he was on right. that. Hey, any of the, like, guy, any of the guys that were first in line. Any of the guys that were first in line would have done that. But, yeah, that's cool, man. Andrew, actually, Chris, I have one of your books autographed by you that Andrew sent me. Several, I, uh, I did. He he did. He, he'd always he'd always say, "Could you sign a book for me?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll pay for it." I'm like, shut the hell up. What uh-huh. do you pay for it? Just what do you mean? I say, "Hey, I'll, I got him here. I sent him to you. I'm glad he got it to you, brother." Because yeah, he did. That was cool getting a book autographed by you, man. Uh, That's awesome. Thanks, brother. And I and I hope your hand wasn't shaking when I. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I'm so full Slightly. of shit myself. Oh, shut the fuck up! Don't <laughs> lie to me. I, I still have every and and I don't have get a whole lot of these, man. I still have every card that Drew gave me, whether it was for my birthday, whether it was for uh, like Christmas time. And he always wrote something heartfelt. That's why I kept them. Any other card, you know, I throw them right out pretty much like all of us. But I still have those. I have one when you walk downstairs in my apartment. One of them says, like, you're my favorite New Yorker. A lot of the people here get on my nerves. So I'm glad to have you here. Um, You know, he was just always someone who's very sentimental about friendship, about family. And that's how I remember him. Yeah, he would always bring gifts, man. Send me a card. Like, I always get a Christmas card from him. I felt bad because I never really <laughs> sent him any. But I'd always get a card from him. He would always bring my two daughters something, little trinkets or something that he made. He made them little, each little coin banks out of old post office box. box. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And, uh, like, he would always give my kids something or send me a card or bring mom something down here whenever he came down, you know. And, yeah, and I should throw out there, he also, uh, we didn't mention this earlier, and I want to make sure it's mentioned in there, also volunteer firefighter, loved yeah. doing stuff as a firefighter, was very proud of that, and the biggest dog lover I've ever met. Yeah. He loved Mopsy. And then he had another dog, too. I can't remember the other dog's name. I think they had got when they moved to Connecticut, but yeah, Mopsy was his, his homegirl. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was even doing, like, volunteer work for uh, animal adoption, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, and that's where he got that second dog from. He was he was working with the, the shelter and, and ended up adopting a dog. So, yeah. He always liked to help, man. Doesn't matter where. <laughs> he truly cool. did. Yeah, 100%. Is there, you know, we usually ask if there's anything you're promoting. I know in your case you're not, but any... Uh, Anywhere you think people could donate and don or anything like that? Any charities you want to throw out there? Um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but we set up a, I'll have to find it, get it back to you if you can promote it at a later show, but it's a, oh, it's I a dog. It in the wink. I can throw it in the link when we put this up, like in the description. I uh, it's, the uh, I'll have to look back. I think it's on his Facebook page we put on there, but it's a, 
it's you donate for for K9 to K9s for vets. I'll give you the exact uh, okay link for it. But okay, well, I'll Perfect. put it up for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right, brother. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Scott. And it's good to finally talk to you, man. And yeah, uh, good talking to you. Thanks for yeah. having me on, guys. Oh, oh of course, man. Anytime. This was great, and and I appreciate you doing it. I know a lot of people at a time like this would say, no, I just want to spend some time by myself, which would be completely understandable. So it, it means a lot. Yeah. Thanks brother. All right. Have a good day, Brian. Take care and, and give your family hugs from us. And, and again, you, you just let, let me know if you need anything personally, Ian's got my contact. You just hit me up. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks brother. so much. Appreciate it, man. All right. Have a good day. Bye. You Thank too. You. Man. Yeah. As I said, it really does mean a lot that he came on. Um, I think a lot of people at this time would say, you know, I just want to be with family. And, and if he said that, I would entirely understand it. But hearing his background and getting to share just fun stories with, with his brother certainly meant a lot to me. No, it, it, you know, I, it, it, if you heard it, it, we were talking, uh, it brought up a lot of stuff I'd forgotten. Yeah, I just it's, I wish my brain's got so much shit in it from doing things and. <laughs> And there are things that stick out, but like just even the Monday night football game, I remember sitting in the bar giving him shit while we're watching the Cowboys beat the Giants. And, and, um, but then I couldn't give him shit when it could Patriots because the Patriots always beat the Cowboys. <laughs> it's like, but, and then with, you know, meeting him at the little church there and having that drink when I first met, you know, first met Fran with him. Which, by the yeah. way, when you say meeting a church for a drink, sounds a church, funny. I know it was like a church, a church, a church bar. They converted it. I was like, it was cool. I wish I knew what it was. Drew knew it. And then just all the times he'd come to New York. And that's why I wanted to be a little more celebratory of talking about great times. And I, I think that's what we did. And you know, maybe Kimberly Guilfoyle will hear this <laughs> and know that, uh, you know, this badass CIA Marine was uh, was a big fan of hers. I, I always thought that was hilarious. He was. He was. Every time I'd see him. You talked to Kim yet? Like shut up, Drew. <laughs> no, I haven't. I and I, I get. I just couldn't get over. It. I because I, I, you know, I think Dana Perino is kind of attractive, but I, yeah. I don't. I don't think Kim. I never did think. I, I thought she was smart, and you know, she's a. She did well when she filled in for Hannity. I had no problem getting interviewed by her. Um, it, it, the thing that was funny with Kim is that I would. I, I think she. Whenever I did an interview, and it wasn't a lot. I think I did two when she filled in for Hannity then one two when she was on the five but the one thing is that when I talk you never know where I'm going producers will would call me and say hey, this is what we're going to ask you and I always tell them don't ask me I mean don't tell me I don't want I want you guys to, to be surprised with what I say Kim I don't think she she liked that because I would if I would it's like they had to be structured answers and I would never give that in the end whenever we did an interview it was real short and I was like man that didn't really go anywhere because she just was so robotic like if i didn't answer the way that she thought it was going to be it was hard for her to 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 play off it where you know on, i was on the show either with hannity or even wilkow they can you can go run and they can they can still make the interview where they don't have it in their head this is how it's going to be answered this is what we need to talk about because i would talk about something way off that we aren't even going to get into and it didn't like she could she could flow with that or maybe she didn't even want to it could guys, also be I don't know if you're thinking Hannity the TV show versus the radio the, the show. Radio, the radio, the rate. Yeah, I just think right, TV brother. in general is very hard because everything has to be like two minutes long. You're it right, has to hit right. the point that they, you, you want to hit. And like with working for Sirius, for example, for all those shows, it's like if we want to extend into the next segment, you can. If if you want to, it's not as unstructured as podcasts, but it's a little bit less structure for sure than TV uh, where. 
Uh, TV is, I, I do understand. They got that earpiece in and someone is saying, yeah. we, got, we got 30 seconds. You got to <laughs> get out of this segment. <laughs> yeah. oh, so. I, I think it was more of that if when I was on a Hannity or even a Lou Dobbs. Love Lou Dobbs, dude. That, that Very nice guy. Favorite and tremendous, tremendous interviewer. Um, is that I would, I always would tell, the, I mean, even if it was the most serious thing in the world, if you watch all my interviews, I always throw a crack up in there. Some smart ass comment. <laughs> and I would throw it in with Kim and she just, I don't think she get she wouldn't get it or it was like ah oh, no this isn't supposed to be funny where if I said something with Hannity or a guy like Lou Dobbs or or um, who's another even even guys even when I was on Jake Tappers even with him they would laugh and they'd make a joke out of it or they'd throw something funny back at it to to make light of it and I, that that to me was always a good interview it's when you couldn't laugh because this is a serious subject and you can't laugh about it. That's like, eh, nah, I don't really care. I don't want to do that anymore. This is too. So, but I do, but you are exactly right though. You have sound bites on TV where radio and podcast, you don't, and you have time. Yeah. So I agree. I, I, I remember agree. when you, you should have waited for a Will Cow interview and you said, <laughs> I said, I feel like I've been waiting 13 hours for this interview. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know if that's, I think we were all like, is that a little too touchy or no, no. no. And I busted out loud. Cause like, that was awesome. I know I said something smart back, but that was awesome because that's, that's funny. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't take offense with that. If he would have said, oh, yeah, I think I waited 13 hours to interview and, yeah, my friends died in this. I mean, yeah, if you go down yeah. that rabbit, I'm like, okay, too far. Shut the fuck. Andrew, I'm going to punch you in your face. <laughs> but no, and I was late and I have to be respectful for his show. And, hey, then I remember I think I said, well, I can't remember why it was, too. I don't think I was there late to the I just it took forever for security to let to get me up there. They were doing double, and they usually are pretty good at that building. I, or maybe I was just late. Maybe I had to go get Starbucks. <laughs> Who knows? I don't remember. But uh, I, 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 I tried not to. There were some shows where I was like, eh, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna be late. But Andrews wasn't one because I, I, I liked his show, and I honestly, I, I thought we had developed a pretty good friendship. And you know, I, I don't, I don't always get in the crazy. I, he's not crazy. I don't get that far into the pol- politics. I mean, that's what his show is—is is politics. Yeah. But I still think. We could, if you know, if I saw him say, "Hey, dude, what's going on? You want to grab a beer or something?" We could, and just, just, just hang out because he, genuine to me, I just genuinely, I think he's a, he's a good person, and he's a, he's a good family man. He always talking about his kids, and to me, that that says a lot about someone's character when they're they're willing to share their time with their kids, and you can tell in his eyes that he he really does. At least in my opinion, this is what I'm seeing. Maybe I'm wrong. But no, you're correct. I, I you're don't correct. think so. Sure. Yeah, that he loves his family, and that's most important to him in his life. Uh, and, and then, you know, he just happens to have to be on the show all the time. And he's created that as his own monster. He's become popular by his own accord. When you become popular and people want to hear you, it's kind of hard to pull back away from it. You, oh, yeah. You know? yeah so Yeah, especially and, right now, you have to be <clears throat> consumed with all this, which – you know, it, it, it's why I'm glad we're kind of doing a show that's more about yeah. positivity and, and all that during this, because everything else you turn on in the media is, uh, you know, what's going on. And I'm not I'm not, definitely not advocating people bury their head in the sand and not be aware of what's going on. But at a certain point, you do have to step back. You can't be watching, you know, video after video of, of people being <coughs> shot, people being gassed. I mean, that's what we're seeing on social media. And it's uh at, at a certain point, you got to enjoy your life and cherish what we have here. Oh yeah, exactly, bro. And you get up, to, you you have to enjoy. There's there's beautiful things going on right now. There, uh, yesterday I I sat in my room. I worked a little bit. I'm back doing insurance work, which I like doing. It's it's fun. It's 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 and it's not all that that I used to. It's not the public figure stuff. It's not the media. It's it's being normal and. 
it's fun. I'm and I'm looking out the window, green trees, blue sky. Yeah, it's hot as hell, which is great. I love the heat now. It went out hot in Omaha again finally. But it's like, man, this is a wonderful day out there. And I'm didn't look at fate I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore. I don't have Instagram on my phone. When I post stuff, I post it, then I immediately delete it. So I'm not looking through the feeds. And it's like, man, this is a this is this is what I pictured my life to be at this point. Looking at and going, man. I had a good life. I've done grow things, but today is just beautiful and nothing's going on. And I'm, I'm good with that. And, I'm, yeah, that's and, and I, I have seen the good in humanity in these days in some videos and some things going up. I mean, it's definitely getting uh, shouted out by the other yeah, stuff. But of course, for example, yeah. I mean, I, I saw a video of a guy whose house that he was building for his family got completely destroyed by looters, you know, and he was on the news saying, uh, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm going to rebuild. I'll be all right. And and people are saying donate. And, you know, I just saw what people are doing and a hundred thousand dollars got donated to this guy. That's and, great. and that does show the, the great in humanity. I've seen that. I've seen, you know, and, and even some of the protests, you've seen the way police have handled it in Flint, Michigan, couldn't have been done a better job. Uh, and there still is definitely humanity out there. And, and it, it goes back to the post you wrote. And actually, before we wrap things up, I probably should read that post because I've referenced uh, it a few times. Well, I, pr- I appreciate uh, it, man. No, I, I do. I, I, I don't know. I, I loved it, man. I, I have it right here. So it's this is from Chris. Uh, you don't have to be like the world to have an impact on the world. You don't have to lower yourself down to their level to lift them up or uh, to your level. Holiness doesn't seek to be at odd. Holiness seeks to be like God. And that's in quotes for all those out there losing strength and hope in the world and humanity. Don't people just lose their way at times. Been there myself on several occasions, but I am always able to write the ship ship because I don't lose faith and have seen beauty in people and in this world as well. As we've seen, there is evil on both sides of the aisle, but we've also seen good, which is kind of what I mentioned. We have seen yeah. that good. Yeah. So don't yeah. lose hope and keep your faith in the Lord strong. And when given the opportunity, set a good example for others. Defend what you need to, but don't go looking for a fight. Don't bully, don't manipulate, or be manipulated by sides. And don't look for retribution or revenge. If the fight comes to your front door, by all means, do what you need to do to win. But don't go looking for a fight through the eyes of hate and anger. You'll get more than you bargained for, and you will perpetuate continued hate, continued violence, falling down a path of destruction. So... Yeah, uh, you know, well said with everything, and and I think uh, what's yeah most important during these times, focus on bettering yourself, focus on family, and making sure that everybody you know is is in a good headspace right now because I know a lot of people aren't. Um, wrapping things up here, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results every time you pull that trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in every state, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com, F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. Use our exclusive code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. One word. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast, Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, 
Battle Line Tactical and the Battle Line Podcast. If you check out the description, we also have the link to shirts, uh, which are awesome. You guys are going to dig them. And uh, hope we've been getting you through these times. And, uh, you know, I think things are starting to at least loosen up on the front of uh, being able to go out and go about your daily life. And uh, I just know for a lot of you guys who are stuck inside your home, you're listening to podcasts constantly. <laughs> I know I was. So hopefully hopefully we were some positive uh, <laughs> you know, direction for you guys. Or you can at least laugh at, what, at the stupid shit I say. Like, ah, oh, for Tano, that's the dumbest thing that you laugh. That's fine. As long as you put the smile on your face. That's all for this week's Battle Line podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. So make sure you're subscribed and keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Battle Line Podcast. Also on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. As always, never quit. <laughs> <laughs>